everybody, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, one of the most interesting uh, chapters in the Word of God. I promise you, it is very interesting about the Antichrist, about the day of the Lord, and how Paul has to write this church and straighten them out doctrinally, not as a rebuke, but uh, as a kind encouragement of instruction for the perplexed. Uh, they were really going under great persecution. We have it made in the shade compared to these folks. And um, here is Apostle Paul encouraging this church by teaching them doctrinally and also um, trying to encourage them. I was thinking about one of our missionaries we need to pray for is Jason Holt. Uh, he had eye surgery uh, and he has to keep his head down for seven days. He cannot raise his head up at all, but I think he has to lay down and have his head down. And I know how hyper this tall six foot four missionary is, and so I really feel for him. If they put me in that place, I might as well shoot me because I can't. I couldn't stay still for no seven days with your head down. I guess you have to do what you got to do. But pray for Jason Hope, a great missionary down in Chile, and uh, he's a blessing. And I mean, he has really been used of God. And he's uh, really got a lot going on, and he can't raise his head above his belt line. So pray for him. He's flat on his face. All right, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. And then also pray for Brother Jeremy and this opportunity. If it is an opportunity, we'll find out more tomorrow uh, for uh, this pulpit committee coming Sunday night. We will delay the King James series. Because I don't, I think they're all straight on that, and so we want to, we want just him to preach. So I will be on the front row, uh, acting like I'm enjoying it. Well, I will be enjoying it. Amen, amen. So praise the Lord. Amen. All right, let's turn to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. I think I've said that four times. I'm trying to get up the courage to preach this chapter. Amen. Hope it'll be a blessing to you. It's really challenged my heart as I've studied it. The Bible says, "Let's stand on the Word of God." It's only 17 verses. It says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither for the Spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. And I'll tell you why he was doing this, because they were going berserk. It says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin, that's the Antichrist, be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God and that is worship, so that he is as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Abomination of desolation, Daniel. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. And even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness of them that 
perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That tells me that if you hear the gospel before the rapture, you will not get saved after the rapture. You need to get saved now. It says that they might be damned who believeth not the truth, but hath pleasure in unrighteousness. But we abound uh, to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the attaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good, good hope through Christ, grace. Comfort your hearts, establish you in every good word and work. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this great chapter in the Word of God that's instruction to a church that's perplexed, that we might say was confused <clears throat> about your coming. And Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, that <clears throat> your, your coming is closer than it's ever been before. But God, your rapture's seven years closer. And so, Lord, help us to be ready. And God, help us to be faithful <clears throat> and help us to remain hopeful. And God, thank you, dear God, that we're in the very last days. And so, Lord, help us live like it. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. I want you to see in this chapter that um, <clears throat> the heart of the letter is really in this chapter. The Christians were shaken instead of established. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2, uh, the Bible says, And he sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborers in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Well, it didn't happen completely. These folks were going through such a terrible time of persecution <clears throat> that they literally... Uh, took Paul's word, and they thought the second coming had already taken place, and they were in the tribulation. And so this is a great chapter because it's needed to clear the teaching uh, that is necessary <clears throat> and uh, to show the, the era of that day. And folks, I don't believe we ought to be down on these people because in chapter 1, it's inspiration for the depressed. Chapter 2, it's instruction for the deluded. And then chapter 3 is going to be an injunction for the disorderly. So the young church, so recently delivered from pagan practices, became zealous, too zealous. They started giving up their jobs. Uh, they just uh, put everything to halt. And the apostles' teaching um, <clears throat> that he gave, their lack of maturity and sobriety kept them from enjoying God's best. And so we see... Um, that they were under great persecution, such such terrible times that they thought they were in the tribulation. <clears throat> and so Paul says there's got to be a few things happen before the second coming. And of course, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he said before the second coming is he's going to catch you up. That's where we get the word rapture. Rapture is not in the Bible, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, says we'll be caught up together. 
verse 17. First Thessalonians 4, 17. So if you ever uh, ask where the rapture is in the Bible, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. All of you have heard that preach by a graveside on a closing of a funeral. Well, it's more than just a graveside funeral uh, message. It is an inspiring message. that We're out of here before the Antichrist takes over. Now, I believe he could be alive today. And I believe there's a, a great spirit of Antichrist. It's even hit America lately. People are anti-Christ. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I appreciate our governor wanting to make the state of Georgia a sanctuary state for the faith. Isn't that wonderful? So you can criticize what you want to, and he might not be on uh, this side or that side, or he might have blew in the past, but that's a good move, that we cannot be afraid of the government in the, in the state of Georgia having some rule over us like they're trying to do in the liberal California, amen, and tell us we can't worship, and we can't open the doors of the church, or we can't go soul winning. And so we see uh, there's an unbalanced eagerness, first of all, uh, in verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by your gathering together unto him, that you be not shaken in mind. One commentator said they had mental illness. I don't want to go that far. Amen? I guess you'd think all independent Baptists were mentally ill. But folks, uh, they just was confused. There's nothing wrong with that. And they had some unwarranted emphasis. Look at this. It says, And be troubled neither by spirit, because, you know, they were looking for extra biblical revelation, nor by word, and somebody was giving them the wrong word, and nor by letter from us. He said, don't misunderstand what I wrote to you about the soon coming of the Lord, and is that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, the day of Christ is often referred to through the Word of God as the second coming. That's different than the first coming. The first coming, he'll catch us up, and we'll ever be with the Lord, First Thessalonians 4. But Revelation chapter 19, 10 through the end of the chapter, talks about the second coming. He's going to touch this earth, split in half. Praise God, they're going to be right, we're going to be riding on white horses, and it's going to be wonderful. But I see an unwarranted emphasis um, being laid on certain features of the doctrine. In other words, there were false teachers uh, saying that, you know, the Spirit of, Spirit of God told them this or told them that, and so there was confusion. So Paul writes this letter. And it becomes an inspired part of the Word of God. And so it's good for us too. And then there's the unwholesome expectation concerning the future. And um, we see in verse 2 it says, says, the day of Christ is at hand. And folks, the day of Christ was at hand back then. It's still at hand. And the last day started at Calvary. I mean, there's a divine countdown since it is finished that we're in the very last days. And folks, the Lord is coming. And I'll just, I'll just be honest with you, if this ain't the last days, I'd hate to see it because it is wicked, amen? And I'm going to tell you something, uh, there's iniquity abounding and there's, un, uh, there's unnatural affection, unnatural affection. People don't even like themselves today, amen? And I want you to know this, is that boys and girls should not choose whether they're a boy or girl. God did that. Say so, amen, God did that. That's an abomination to God to try to change your gender and change your body. I just can't imagine how wicked that is. And that's a shake in, God, uh, in God's face of your fist saying, I don't like being a boy. Well, I happen to like being a man, amen? I don't have any inclination to be a woman. 
You can have it, women, praise God. And I know you women surely don't want to be as ugly as we men, praise God. But I want you to know, friend, there's unwarranted emphasis being laid on this un, on certain, certain doctrines like the day of the Lord. There's three days spoken in the Scriptures, the day of man, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 through 5, and that's about that we ought to be good stewards and even judge ourselves. Then there's the day of the Lord covers uh, from the tribulation to the millennial, and that was found in... Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, then there's the day of God or the uh, day of Christ, uh, which is um, when the Lord comes and he uh, uh, sets up his millennial reign and there's a new earth and a new, uh, a new kingdom and it's going to be wonderful. And that's the only time this world's going to be straight is when the King of kings and the Lord of lords has the government upon his shoulders. And then we see in verse 3, uh, the man of sin, the man of sin. Look at verse 3. It says, And no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. The son of perdition. Now this falling away is apostasy. And I believe, folks, there is a falling away today. The day of Christ, uh, the term constantly used in Scripture referred to the time of Christ coming to this earth to judge. And folks, uh, the first time he came was in a manger. The second time he comes, there is no, going to be no manger, and there's going to be no Calvary. There's going to be judgment. And you better be on the right side. Amen. You better be on the winning side. You better be coming down with him instead of being left on this earth to be judged by him. But in verses 3 through 12, it tells us that Christ cannot come uh, to judge us until there's certain things take place. And those things have to do with the tribulation. Number one is apostasy, a falling away from the truth, denying the deity of Christ, uh, the inspiration of the Bible, and so on. And folks, there is a bunch of liberalism going around today that deny the sovereignty of God. I'm not talking about Calvinism. I'm talking about, folks, he's Lord, and we're not to bring him down in manageable terms and let man be Lord. That's the spirit of Antichrist is that we're going to be our own God. We're going to, be, we're going, we're going, we're going to live our own life. We're even going to dictate um, who we marry, uh, same-sex marriages and abortions and all this going on uh, is from uh, people straying from the Word of God. You know, the Word of God's clear on when life begins. The Word of God's clear on uh, male and female being one for life. Amen? And it's not a sentence. It's a joy to be married to a godly person. Say amen right there. If you don't say amen right there, you're in trouble. But apostasy is, uh, is promised. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 uh, real quick. In verse 1, and we can read this whole chapter really. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh especially that in the latter times they shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. And folks, cults are on a rapid increase around here. Uh, uh, if, you wanna, if you don't believe that, drive down Doug Gap Road and you'll see uh, all kinds of cults. JWs are a cult. Um, Congregationist uh, uh, preacher son didn't want to have hell, so he started uh, what they called Russellites then. Now it's Jehovah Witnesses. Then you're going up towards Walmart and you see the Mormons. 
Joseph Smith and his many wives and Brigham Young. Um, never have rooted for Brigham Young. The Falcons are about to uh, draft a Brigham, Brigham Young quarterback. I said, don't do it. Amen. He might be Mormon. But, uh, folks, I'm not trying to discriminate. I'm just saying I'm going to. I'm going to alleviate anything that's not of God, and there's cults. There's cults, seducing spirits with a lot of law and no grace. And folks, we need to, we need to realize that's apostasy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says, We know also that in the uh, last days perilous times shall come. Now, folks, it gets worse during the tribulation, but I believe there's some pre-contractions uh, to the rapture. I believe that uh, this world's going into contractions. And some of these is where men shall be lovers of their own selves. Have you ever lived in a day where people love themselves so much? Uh, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. That's why I'm so excited about the couples retreat. And when I get to do other retreats is because I believe the attack of hell is on the family. And if he can wreck the family... He can wreck the church. And if he wrecks the church, he can wreck the community. And if he can wreck the community, he can wreck the country. Amen? We must start at home with a godly marriage. And we must start at home raising our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen? And now, folks, there's a lot of people who have unnatural affection. Um, truce breakers. Uh, mothers giving up their children at birth. And, and then worse than that, killing their children after birth, um, with abortion, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now, that's the spirit of, of the Antichrist. That's the spirit of the last days, and folks, we're in it. You ought to get ready because the rapture is about to take place. Amen. I wouldn't doubt it a bit if, it, if the trumpet sound right now. Right now, there's nothing that has to be fulfilled for the rapture of the church. And folks, we're living in a, 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 a heresy days, uh, a, 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 you know, just apostates everywhere. Apostasy, that means turning away from the truth. A professing church departing from the faith. A professing church parting from the faith. If you go to the average town, the town that is packed, the, the church that is packed, to the kilt is churches where there's good feelings, good time, usually good music, nothing wrong with good music, but folks, it's got to be scriptural, it's got to be Christ-honored, and little preaching, little preaching. And then maybe not good preaching, like preaching against sins, good preaching, amen? There's a, a famous church in this area, and I tried my best to get them, because they have so many members, to stand with us against alcohol. And they said, no, we don't want to do that, it's too controversial. You know why it's too controversial? Because people leave the church uh, in their little little hoot nanny and their little uh, uh, pep rally and their little uh, uh, rock and roll concert, and they might offend somebody. And so, folks, I'm going to tell you, it's sad today that people are departing from the faith and they're flocking to the sensational, the sensational. If it feels good, do it. No, that, that's not what it is. If it's in this Bible, do it. Amen. There's a lot of things feel good that you shouldn't do, like being unfaithful to your wife. It might feel good to a season, but when she catches you, you're a dead man. Even no, not really. But uh, you know, you, you you know, sin feels good for a second. Might feel good for a night, but folks, the end thereof needs to be preached against. 
Proverbs 7, 1 through 7, uh, chapter 1 through 7. Then the temple must be rebuilt. Uh, Paul promised the rise of a world dictator and the man of sin. Look at verse 3. It says, In the falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Folks, Daniel talks a lot about him, about the Antichrist. And the man of sin contrasts with Christ. The Antichrist is a man of sin. Uh, the Christ is a, is a savior from sin. Um, the Antichrist is the son of perdition. Christ is the son of God. And folks, the Antichrist is a liar, and Christ is the truth. Antichrist is against Christ, and Christ lifts, lifts uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit up, and he was lifted at Calvary for your sins. There's no Antichrist that will ever die for you. But folks, he'll blaspheme God. And so the devilish person is revealed uh, in, these, in these verses. It says, and now you, we know that which holdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until it be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of the mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And folks, this devilish person is revealed in verses 8 through 12. I want to take just a little time on that. The person of the revelation, verse 8, uh, is this, that he's wicked. He's a wicked one. Don't ever fall for the deception of Satan. Don't ever fall for the delusions. You know, and according to this verse, the, he'll be a miracle worker. Now, that'll attract a crowd, amen? Uh, just, you know, just say you're a miracle worker, and they'll line up for days and days and days. I'll never forget there was a, a member of Rocky Face Baptist Church when it was really a solid missionary independent Baptist church, and they skipped church and went to go hear Ernestine Ainsley. And he was a little sissy guy, wore a rose. There's nothing wrong with wearing a rose. I do that at funerals once in a while. But uh, he um, had this real sissy voice. I knew something was wrong with him. And he'd slay people in the spirit. And I remember uh, she had some real sickness, so she skipped her independent Baptist church and went up there all day long in Chattanooga. But she had something they couldn't fake. So they put her in a room, and she stayed there for three and a half hours. And finally he came by with his little sissy voice, and he said, y'all are going to get healed uh, sooner or later, and shut the door and went on and had his performance. And she went back to the church and apologized and said, I was in the wrong place on Sunday. And folks, that is the wrong place. You don't look for miracles. You look for the miracle worker. You don't look for signs. The Bible says in Matthew, a wicked and uh, perverse nation seeketh after a sign. We need to seek the Savior. And the devil uses miracles um, to deceive. Look at verse 9. It says, even him who is coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So just because somebody can do a, a wonder doesn't mean they're wonderful because they're, the devil can work signs and powers. And so he's a, the purpose of the man of sin is deceive. Uh, deceive. Ver, look at verse um, 10. It says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of truth that they might be saved. Folks, I want to tell you the greatest guard in your heart is the Word of God. And folks, the devil is a liar and the father thereof, John 8, 44. And I want you to know, friend, the devil is a deceiver. And he's going to use the Antichrist. With, and right now, there's a spirit of Antichrist. People are deceived in following celebrities instead of servants of God. They're deceived in following their feelings instead of what's scriptural. And folks, uh, one time I was talking to a lady and I said, I, I don't think you're... Um, 
experience is biblical. And she said this to my face. She said, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I felt. I said, that's exactly what's wrong. I didn't get anywhere with her, but I won't tell you because she wanted to argue. But I, And I ain't got time to argue with the charismatic. But I'll tell you this, friend. You don't look for a feeling. and You don't look for signs. You don't look for signals. You look to be more like Christ. And you look for his coming. Say amen. And so we see the purpose of the man of sin to deceive. And then we see the power of the man of sin to perform wonders. To perform wonders. Um, in verse 9, it says they'll do signs and lying wonders. Look at Revelation chapter 16, verse 14. Revelation 16, 14. Isn't this interesting? I'll tell you what, it's interesting. Um, it takes a lot of study just to be to share this amount, but you ought to study the book of Revelation sometime. But Revelation 16, verse 14, the Bible says, For they are the spirit of the devils, working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth, the whole world, and gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. So we see that the, the uh, spirit of the devil working miracles. Uh, so they perform wonders. And the world ruler will be energized by the devil, unite the nations of Europe uh, and a great uh, confederation. They already got that uh, European Union. And that's the ten toes of Daniel in Daniel chapter 7. Then according to Revelation 17, the Antichrist will cooperate with the apostate world church and rise to power and then destroy that religious system when he doesn't need it. And so just to summarize what we've already said, and I want to get to the restrainer in just a minute because that's who we have in our hearts, amen. Um, the church will be raptured, number one. The Antichrist will begin his rise to power in a peaceful way. That's the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Everything will be great, and here's a world ruler that will rule with the mark of the beast, and folks, we're all set up for that. Uh, when I went to the store a long time ago when I was a kid, they didn't have any scanners. Now we got scanners for everything. Matter of fact, we'll scan your temperature if you look sick around here. Amen? We'll just scan you. Praise God. I mean, we're in a modern technology uh, and the devil's going to use that technology. Uh, a cashier has got it made today. Some of you cashiers, you've got it made. All you do is scan. You don't even scan it. You scan the item. And you can check out without any human being around. I, it's amazing to me. You can talk to a machine. You can uh, uh, scan bananas and it'll weigh them. It's just amazing, the technology. The, and, the, and the devil's going to use that technology. Mark of the beast, 666. Six, six. One time I was preaching away on a Sunday morning. Brother Cody was back there waving me off. And I said, what is wrong with that young man? He don't want me to preach or something. And I was giving my social security number out over the air. I said, everybody's got a number, 25886, none of your business. And I said the whole thing. And here I am on air with thousands of people, uh, or at least two people from Tone Hill listening to me. And, uh, and I'm telling my number out. And folks, they could steal my identity. And uh, I don't think you ever should wear, uh, carry your Social Security card in your wallet because you lose your wallet, then they got your number, and then they got your license. I mean, I used to carry it around with me all the time. I thought I was social and secure, amen? So I was going to carry it around with me. That's a no-no. Don't carry your Social Security card. Memorize the thing, 258. But I want to tell you this, friend, the devil is going to add more numbers to it. And it's not 666. It's really 18 numbers. It's the mark of the beast is 666. And that means that there's going to be a whole lot of numbers added to your number, and he can track you. 
And today they're trying to track us through vaccines and all kinds of stuff they say. I don't know about, all about that. I'll take it as soon as it comes out and as soon as I get over having it. But, you know, we need to realize that uh, he'll unite Europe. And then the first three and a half years, he'll, he'll uh, have peace on this earth. He'll break the covenant, invade Israel, and the abomination of desolation, slaughter a pig on the altar of the of the Israel and abolish all religion and set himself up to be worshipped. Revelation 13, read it sometime. In the seven-year tribulation, the day of the Lord, Christ will return to earth. And I'm going to tell you something, he'll destroy the Antichrist and his system in one word. Blood will be up to the stirrups in the battle of Armageddon. And folks, both the Old Testament and New Testament predicts the return of the Jews to Palestine and the rebuilding of the Jewish temple when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple, this will be the abomination of desolation. Daniel 11, verse 31. Matthew 24, verse 15. And so what he's say, why, why is he putting this in here? Because he's trying to tell these folks that all this has got to take place before uh, the tribulation. They thought they were in the tribulation. Now don't look down on them, please. We Baptists, especially we independent Baptists, we're quick to judge. And folks, listen, they were going through persecution you know not of. And so if they thought it was a tribulation, it's because they were hurting. They ain't never seen it that bad. They were in jail. They were being killed. Their kids were being ripped out of their uh, own um, uh, home, and, and, uh, and they were distraught. So they said, well, it must be that we're in the tribulation. Paul said, no. First of all, there's got to be a falling away. There's got to be a rapture like I taught you in the last letter I sent you. And then there's got to be a man, the man of sin, come and take over for three and a half years. So he was spelling it all out. But I want you to see the encouraging part and what you're part of. And that's six, verses 6 through 12 and then the verse 13 through 17. We're going to try to cover this uh, chapter in about 10 minutes uh, more. But I want you to see the divine restrainer. And this is good. Look at verse 5. It says, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Now, folks, he was saying the Holy Spirit through the church is going to be the restraining force in the world of sin. And he said, you have the Holy Spirit in your heart when you get saved. And the man of sin is a supernatural person that can only be hindered by a supernatural power, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. If it wasn't for the church on this earth and the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the Antichrist would reveal himself if he's alive today. I'm not saying he is or it. I'm not a date setter, but I sure think it's the season of the coming. Amen? Today I was looking outside. He went outside and threw the frisbee at my old dog. I hit him in the mouth and he still didn't catch it. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working with him. Uh, when you're in empty nest syndrome, you, just, you, you play with dogs instead of kids, I guess. But I was home just for a few minutes. Got home about 5.15. And I just went outside and I said, man, spring is coming. Grass is turning. Amen. Spring's coming. You can sense the times of the seasons. And folks, I can sense it in the air. There's signs of the time everywhere. And I want to say this. This is not a time to resign. It's a time to realign. It's a time to yield. It's a time to turn it up. I was visiting with a family last night. And uh, the fellow said, I need to get more involved. I said, thank God we got some place for you to do. I said, as soon as this pandemic gets over, we'll have even more places for you to be involved. And I thank God for that. It was an encouragement to my soul. 
And so the mystery of iniquity, the divine restraint is found in verse 5 through 7. Look at verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That's the spirit of antichrist, of sin. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy uh, with the brightness of his coming. And so, folks, listen, there is a restrainer. And, folks, listen, verse 6 says, And now ye know that withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. We're holding back the power of Satan. Uh, you're li- Actually, if the Spirit of God was not in your life, you would be wicked. Amen? You would be more wicked than you've ever been wicked. But the Spirit of God is a convictor. Praise God. He convicts you of sin, righteousness, of judgment. And what we need, God has a restrainer in this world, which I believe is the Holy Ghost working through the local church. And God has a time and season marked out. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1 says this. It says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you know not... No need that I write unto you. And I believe God has a schedule. And I believe we ought to win souls. And the last soul that's going to get saved, I believe that's when the rapture is going to take place. And God has a time and season marked. And not even Satan can upset God's schedule. He's right on time. He's never been late. But one who hinders. Look at verse 7. It says, For the mystery of the iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. At the rapture of the church, the Spirit of God's going to go up with you. And folks, the, all hell's going to break out on this earth. It's going to be the waiting room of hell. There's, and the devil's going to have free ruling reign, so to speak, to uh, deceive many and even to the damnation of delusion where people will not believe the truth. If they've heard the gospel before the rapture, I don't believe they'll have another chance. I believe it's final. And a lot of people says, well, I'll just wait till the tribulation and get saved. No, you won't. You'll de- believe a delusion. And folks, I believe that people get, hear the gospel must get saved before the rapture or you're doomed. And so when the church is raptured up, the Spirit of God goes up, Satan will work through the Antichrist in miraculous power, verse 9 and 10. Uh, even him who cometh after the working of Satan, I know I'm repeating myself, but look at this, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceitfulness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And folks, I want you to know Paul is reminding them that men would rather believe a lie than the truth. The true believers are saved. And uh, if they wait to after the rapture, they'll be deceived. And folks, we need to realize that the devil's person is being revealed. Verse 8. It says, then, and then shall the wicked be revealed. Um, The person of the revelation is a wicked one. He deceives, performs wonders. And then there's delusion in verse 11. Look at this. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. They should believe a lie. They should believe a lie. Verse 12 says this, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. A lot of people in these last days say, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry and live it up. I don't need your religion. Matter of fact, they think religion's outdated. They think you're crazy going to church three times a week. Why can't you get enough out of one hour a week? A little dab of do you. Folks, religion's known for that. Just go and do your little Hail Marys and penance on Saturday night 
and you can live like you want to. A mortal sin is, is not doing that. But a, a sin that they can be forgiven of, they can do anything. All they got to do is go in a booth and confess it. All you ex-Catholics say amen. And folks, it's venial and mortal sins, and it's just a bunch of junk. It's this heresy that you can live like you want to and just show up and pay your penance and give your hell marys and, and confess to a man that's more wicked than you are a lot of times. God help us. We're in the last days. And it's getting stronger every day. And so I want you to see in closing, and I do mean this because uh, I want to try to finish this whole chapter. In, in verse 13 uh, through 17, how to meet the foe. How, how can we overcome the spirit of Antichrist in these last days? The church must be completed. In verse 13 it says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Now, they were going through intense persecution. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. God's plan from eternity's past was that everyone be saved that believes. And folks, he's not predestined for ordained some not to ever believe and cannot believe. He don't play uh, uh, spiritual roulette with souls. It's whosoever. And folks, I know he can go to the future and look back and you know, you can debate predestination, foreknowledge, whatever you want to, but I'll tell you this, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And that's what verse 13 says. He said, I want to remind you Folks, you're going through such a tribulation. You think the Antichrist is coming. You think you're in the middle of the tribulation. But I want you to know God saved you for a purpose. God's chosen you. And he's chosen you out of love. Look at verse 13. Bound to give thanks always for God, for the brethren, brethren beloved of the Lord. You know what keeps me going when sometimes I get down and disappointed because somebody walks out and never comes back and doesn't even say bye? And you won all the children of the Lord, and you, you won them to the Lord, and they don't even say bye, is that God still loves me, and He'll never forsake me, and He'll never desert me. And folks, I want to tell you something. I have a relationship with the Lord that keeps me going, and that's what you need to have, amen? Because men will let you down every time. By the way, you'll let yourself down, <laughs> amen? But thank God the Lord will never let you down. And so we see the destiny of that choice, and it's for His glory. Verse 14. And, it's, and this is encouragement. Whereunto you called you by the gospel to the attaining of gl the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the um, um, helmet of salvation is? It's the, the security of eternal life. That in the battle we can believe and we need to know that there is an end to this battle. And that one day we're going to be in glory. One day, they're, they're, this battle is going to be over. And folks, these folks were given their lives for the gospel. They were given their freedom for the gospel. And so he, he, he comforts them with God's call and God's love, but also he comforts them with glory to come. What an enlightening plan. And then an established practice is found in verse 15. Because of this world dictator, and because of the coming world condition, because of the wicked person, we need to do something. And this is what we need to do. Look at verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. 
You know what he's saying? Stand fast in the face of the flood of iniquity. Stand fast in the face of the foes of spirituality. Stand fast um, uh, because of all the wickedness and the, uh, the conditions of the last day. And you can go back to verse 14. He says, it won't be long until it's over. It won't be long until you wear a crown. It won't be too long until you share his glory at John 17. And he made glory possible for us. And we need to stand for him. Folks, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved. And sometimes when I read about this and all the conditions and all the things like 2 Timothy chapter 3, Matthew chapter 24, how bad it's going to get, I said, I'm glad I'm going to be out of here. I'm glad I'm going to be raptured up. So Paul makes a wonderful application and he exhorts them to stand fast, but he also to stand biblical. He said, traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. And folks, if God gave Paul some traditions, it wasn't his Jewish tradition. It was biblical traditions. We stand on the Word, and we stand strong under persecution, and we stand strong in these last days because of personal stability, but biblical stability. Folks, this is the book. We need to stand upon it. These are the promises to claim. And then I want you to see, last but not least, in verse 16 and 17, we see the uh, earnest prayer, the earnest prayer. In verse 16, it says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, word and work. Folks, he, he, he had an enlightening, enlightening plan, an enlightening plan, an established practice, but praise God, he says, you'll never make it unless I pray for you. And you'll, I'll never make it unless you pray for me. And so, folks, the power of prayer in these last days is a necessity. Paul prayed that they'd be encouraged, number one. He said comforted. That's a, that's a consolation. Good hope. Folks, he said, please be encouraged. They were distressed, and they needed refreshed. They needed support. They needed hope. They needed peace in the midst of great suffering. And he said, in the midst of your distress, I'm praying for you to have comfort. And then he prayed that they'd be established again. Paul longed to see them established in the Word. Look at that. He said, everlasting consolation, good hope, comfort your hearts, and establish you in every good word and work. And he prayed that they'd have a life of works, of faithfulness. And folks, he, they lived an open life of integrity. And he said, hey, listen, these last days, it's going to be hard, but be faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this chapter. I know I hadn't done it justice, and we hadn't got deep into it. But God, I believe we're deep enough to realize that our only hope is your word and your spirit in these last days, a divine coupling. We need to put on the whole armor of God. And we need to stand and withstand in the evil day because I believe we're we're here. And all the wiles of the devil, the methodology of the devil is it's circulating. It's in high office. Oh Lord, it's uh being publicized and and glamorized. And Hollywood makes it the norm 
But God, you said it's sin. You said it's abomination. So God, in these last days, help us to lift up our eyes and look into the eastern sky. And God, help us to pray for faithfulness, steadfastness, a spirit of prayer, a spirit of love, a spirit of comfort, but not the anti-spirit of shaking our fist at God and giving up, or even joining the churches that are compromising and going with the world. God, help us to be salt. Help us to be different, but not just different because cults are different, but God, help us to be different for your glory. And God, close because we love you. And so God, may our separation not be just a turn from the world. Any cult can do that. Help it to be a turn to the Lord. That we love you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, and all our might. And God, in the last days, may we be not only established, but God, may we be comforted and comfort one another through this assembly. God, may we be the kind of church member that encourages others through our faithfulness, through our prayers. God, it was so wonderful to see a full prayer room Sunday night. Packed, Lord, what a blessing. And God, I know that you're going to honor those prayers. I know you're going to work miracles. I know souls are going to be saved. And God, it's because your people, which are called by your name, humbled themselves in prayer daily for this lost and dying world. God, help us to be soul winners in these last days. Help us to believe the coming so much that we talk about it and that we act like it and that we rejoice like it. And Lord, that we pray like it and we live like it in these very last days. With every head bowed, every eye closed, here's the invitation. won't be long. Our time's up. Have me say, Preacher, I believe in the last days. And I believe the Lord's coming soon. And I want to be that salt and I want to be that light on the hilltop, not in the valley. The light on the hilltop means you're different. You're consistent. You're faithful. And you know someone that's lost. Maybe you know someone that's liberal and just going with the flow. You don't know how they got there, but they're going and it's it's a tidal wave. It's an undertow. It's a current that they can't get out of because they're enjoying it so much they feel like they're right. There's apostasy and there's false doctrine going around. And it's, it's, it's captivating young people. There's so many things that t- tell us we're in the last days. But we must be faithful. And that's your prayer tonight, that you'd be more faithful to glorify God in these last days. God bless you. Anybody else? Just need prayer in that area all over this place. Father, thank you for this chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. It's a chapter that's sometimes hard for people to understand. God, we know you're the restrainer. God, you're the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And I pray to God we'd yield to you tomorrow to be the kind of Christian that would glorify you in these dark days as a light. God, that you'd be the, uh, the restrainer from us trying to go the world's way when, Lord, we need to go your way and yield to your Spirit, your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.